a Pulp MX Network production. The only athlete-to-athlete podcast in the sport. Questions from a different perspective. The hard questions you want answered about training, riding, and being a professional athlete. Not only in motocross, but in other sports realms as well. Welcome to Shifting Gears, the Zach Osborne Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to Shifting Gears, Episode 6 with uh, my mechanic, Dave Feeney. Dave is such a cool dude. He has been around the sport for a long time, comes from Australia, and um, tells us a little bit about his story, some of his uh, favorite things about being a wrench, um, some cool stories from mine and his time working together, from his days working on two strokes. Uh, Dave's a true enthusiast, loves the sport, loves to ride himself, and um, yeah, this was a fun one. Lot, lots more to come. Thanks, guys. What's up, race fans? Shifting Gears, Episode 6. Um, we're here with Dave Feeney. Dave is my longtime mechanic for the last... This is our fifth season together. Um, but more importantly, for the sake of this podcast, Dave is a longtime um, rider himself and also um, mechanic of the sport for 25 years. I mean, uh, it's a pretty awesome career you've had, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been a lot of fun. Uh, I probably would have quit a long time ago if I wasn't having any fun. But, yeah, it's uh, been an adventure from day one. Um, obviously, you are born in Australia. Um, came to the States what year? Uh, July of 93, and my first season uh, on the circuit was 94. So this is literally your 25th season? Correct. I didn't know that. I was, I was just kind of paraphrasing, but... Um, so you come in July 94 or 93 and you're staying forever or you're on a whim or um my plan was to come here for maybe one or two years uh <laughs> see the United States on somebody else's dime yeah. and enjoy my time here then uh I had planned to go to Europe and maybe do a couple of seasons of GPs see Europe and go home to australia <laughs> but now uh 25 years later still still here uh with a wife a mortgage yeah all the three grandkids and two dream. dogs <laughs> um so like before you left australia were you working as a mechanic or no um i had applied at a uh, at one or two places uh, to become a race mechanic and the sport was so small in Australia that there was only one or two teams that had a budget for a full-time mechanic and there was just no room so I had a buddy from New Zealand that was here in the US working on the pro circuit race team Okay, and so I hit him up and uh, came over here and got hooked up with the right people pretty much straight off the bat. A uh, lot of different friends in different areas and uh, was lucky enough to get a job. Yeah, so your first team in 94 was what? Uh, I worked for a, a privateer in Southern California, uh, Tony Amaridio. Okay. Uh, he was a test rider for Kawasaki. So, uh, and you guys just raced kind of on the weekends? Uh, no, uh, did uh, 
125 East uh, Supercross and a couple of uh, 250 Supercrosses yeah. and then 250 Outdoors. Yeah, I mean, I remember him, uh, his name at least from when I was a little kid, you know, like being a main event guy or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. So then you moved on. What, what was your first factory team or, or team? Uh, Pro Circuit. Pro Circuit? Yeah. And that was quickly there? Uh, 96. 96. But you've done like three or four other tenors there now? or? Uh, nope, two. two I, was, uh, I was there from 96 to 98, three years, and then I went back there in 2011. Okay, and then you won championship with Brock in, uh, was it 11 or? 12? Yes. 11. 11. Sweet, sweet. And that was your first American title, right? Correct. Um, so, like, backing up a little bit, before you left Australia, you were an avid rider? Yes. Just enjoyed working on bikes more? Or? Yeah. I, uh, I raced on the weekends with my buddies, uh, had a good time doing it, uh, had a regular nine-to-five job like everybody else. Uh, I was a welder fabricator. Didn't really enjoy it that much. <laughs> Figured that there's got to be something better to life. And uh, I think I was 30 when I decided that I was going to pack it all up and <laughs> move to the U.S. Sweet. Um, that actually kind of brings me to uh, we got a lot of listener questions for Dave, which was really cool. Um, let's see here. Which one is it? Uh, Daniel Pierce asks, after all these years, what keeps you motivated and what makes you want to keep heading out on the road year after year? Well, it's it's kind of like a drug. You know, you get you. I enjoy it so much that um, I like coming to the races. I have a lot of friends here. Um, it's a job for me, but it it pays fairly well. Um, and I just enjoy it so much that that's the way, you know, that's my lifestyle. My wife, she wished that I probably didn't travel quite as much, but usually in December, she's like, isn't it time for you to leave again? Yeah, when's the first race? <laughs> but she enjoys riding also, so you guys get to go riding in the off-season together and hang yeah. out. Yeah, we definitely try and uh, ride some in the off-season. It's being in the 450 class now, it's just a little tougher yeah. to make things happen. Uh, we've got a break coming up for Easter, so I'm sure the, the motorcycles will be coming out and Dusting getting off dusted off, and uh, we'll at least go spend some laps with some friends, and uh, we'll come home after we've done riding and probably barbecue <laughs> and have a good time. Um we did a day in the dirt a couple of years ago together, two two years in a row, and that was awesome. But it's funny to see, like, I hope that when I'm 50, 55 or 54? Uh, 57. 57, okay. When I'm 57, um, that I still enjoy it as much as you do. Uh, the one year you had a massive crash, broke some ribs and whatnot, and I knew that you had crashed and you were kind of okay on the weekend, but then Monday you were really sore, and but you covered it pretty well. Yeah, I had to. I had a job to do. <laughs> um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a little rough. Uh, three or four days after that was over, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, but we had a good time. It was, it was yeah. a good, good weekend. Um, what's your favorite team you've ever been a part of or, or worked on? Um, 
I would say that my all-time favorite team as a group was probably Yamaha of Troy. Uh, that was in its prime, right? Like yes, 90, yes, uh, ninety. I was uh, at YOT the first year, yeah. ninety nine, ninety nine, two thousand, and two thousand and one. A lot of success with Ernie and Casey Johnson, Casey yeah. Lytle, uh, Ron Carter. Ron Carter, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a great team, but the people that were there at that point in time were just a great group. Yeah, uh, and it was, you know. We all see each other, like most of the guys have gone out of the industry now, but then when we see each other, it's like, oh, you remember this, or remember that, and we used to, uh, we all used to hang out together, right. um, we all used to live uh, in down in the Corona area, but we would have to drive to Valencia Yeah, nightmare to work. drive, the worst drive possible, like straight through the heart of LA every day. Yeah. So we would uh, we would carpool up there, and <laughs> we would stay up there for two or three days, and then come home. And so we would hang out all the time together. Yeah. So it was pretty fun. That's cool. Uh, like, do you miss? So I feel like you've been in kind of three, maybe even four different eras of of bikes, like the one twenty five two fifty days. Yeah. Um, the early four stroke days, some better four stroke days, and now to where. I feel like the four-stroke, you know, is pretty dialed, figured out. Oh, yeah. Do you miss, like, the checking squish and changing pistons between motos and, you know, stacking base gaskets to get what you're looking for and all that stuff? Um, I really love the the 125 yeah. stuff. It was awesome. You know, it just... But people think to themselves oh you know i wish we could go back to two strokes but man they were a lot of work <laughs> a lot of work like you would have to change the read blocks between motors most of the time you'd have to pull a cylinder and head off between motors and if you didn't if you didn't eat a good breakfast you weren't eating until it was uh until Eating you got time. done at the end of the day yeah so um yeah it was a lot of work uh, with the four, with the modern four strokes, you don't usually have too much of an issue. Yeah, it's a completely different time now, though. I mean, obviously at PC, you guys built your race engines and stuff, but like back in those Yamaha Troy days, like back in the early nine or late nineties, early two thousands, you were most likely still servicing all your own stuff, right? Oh yeah, all the time. Like yeah. suspension, everything. Now we have uh, the, guy the who, suspension. I've never really had to worry about my own suspension yeah. because uh, we've always had somebody to do that. Right. It's kind of a a big deal. So. But the engine stuff, it's uh, this is the first time uh, since I've come to Husky that I haven't had to do my own engines. Yeah, but do you miss doing your own engines? I mean, I feel like that at some point you, or maybe you don't. I mean, maybe you are I was, okay with it. I was very hesitant when I first came to Husky, and they told me that somebody else was going to build my engines. Yeah. And... I wasn't very wasn't very pumped on the whole idea and now I've come to the realization that the guy that builds my engines that's his job right. and that's his only job yeah. and if there's a problem with it yeah everybody's going to look at me pushing the bike off the track yeah. 
but he's going to be the one that's going to get the toweling on Monday. Yeah. So you would prefer to build your engines, or? Yeah, I would, but it definitely is a lot of time that goes into it, and right now I enjoy taking a day off through the week. <laughs> Uh, and if I had to build my own engines, there would probably that probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, so, having said that, do you miss the two-stroke or not really? I love riding them. You love riding them, but uh, <laughs> obviously, you ride the five hundred often. That's like your go-to bike. Sierra yeah, five hundred. Yes, I I definitely enjoy that. But uh, as far as working on them at the races, yeah, no, nah, they're just. The schedule would have to change a lot yeah. to to let us go back to doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I think our schedules uh, moved moved along for the better. Yeah, I believe. I agree. So, um, what's your favorite bike you ever worked on? Uh, the YZ125 at Yamaha Troy. Yeah. That thing was like cheating. Yeah, it was so fast. You guys had a, a clear, fair—I mean, clear-cut advantage on oh, yeah. the rest of the field. Like the bikes yeah. were jumping triples when, when triples were like the thing to, you know, to the, do. the obstacle. Like, will the one twenty fives make the triple or not? You guys were always like, oh yeah, no big deal. You oh know, yeah, yeah, not yeah, worried about it. It was amazing. That bike was incredible. Um, least favorite? Um. Probably the early four strokes. Yeah, all those. They didn't matter what you had. Did, were you at Troy when they were on Yamaha four strokes? Yes. So that was like the oil in the frame and all. Oh that yeah, whole we deal. used to have to take all that stuff out, but um, they were so so archaic that you would build an engine and you would go to turn it over and the and the cams would seize in the head <laughs> just turning the thing over it was i can remember staying there all night one night and we're trying to piece stuff together so that uh Fonseca and ramsey could go ride that the next had to day. be nervous times though for a mechanic like to know that that stuff was going on at the shop and then going to the up to the track and be like all right boys let's uh let's yeah. do this well, as soon as the thing made one revolution, <laughs> it was good. good. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't too, too nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah, that uh, the first 254 stroke, you know, it was a nightmare because it was brand new and people couldn't start it when it got hot. And it was, I think, more of the unknown than anything else uh, because, you know, once you once you figured out how to start a four stroke, it's pretty easy. Yeah, uh, what you know, you've seen the sport from for uh, you know almost three decades now. Uh, what is something that you you've noticed the most that's that's changed the most? Like I was talking to Paul the other day. Paul Delore, he's our uh, hospitality truck driver, and he was saying. I was asking him if he missed being a mechanic. He was worked for Larocco for 15 years or however how long it was, a long time. Yeah. Um, worked for a lot of good riders, and he was saying that, you know, he doesn't really miss it because when he was a mechanic, especially starting out, it was like he was kind of the trainer, the, the mental guy. Like, he was kind of everything for the rider, practice mechanic, race mechanic, the full deal. Like, 
do you do you see that at all or yeah like um when i first started yes we drove a box van you would have to uh yeah it was your job to take care of the van uh get it wash it get it serviced work on the bike go to the grocery store um sometimes you would have to wash the rider's gear (laughs) you know it was just a laundry list and but that was the job right and you knew that when you signed up for it yeah do you miss that at all or you you prefer it the way um no not really because i like the fact of being at home right every every week and it's you know i would go on the road driving a box van and you would be gone for two to three months at a time and when you're young and single it's that's that's games. quite the that's quite the lifestyle yeah um all right i got a listener question here randy riley writes what one thing do most riders ask or expect you to do that they think you should do or is nitpicky or petty Hmm. A lot of guys like their boots washed. Boots washed. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Um, all right, here's another one. Um, Dave, this is from Chuck Davies. Uh, you met him last year. He had a peak uh, Honda 125 when we were at Farley. Okay. Um, he says, uh, nice to meet you at Farley Castle Vets Designations a couple of years ago. What were your thoughts on the event? It was awesome. I had a great time there. I wish I could have been there for the whole weekend, and I wish I had a bike to ride. <laughs> it would be epic to go back there. You know, I really want to uh, build a bike and go there to ride at least once. Yeah, same. I, I'm totally in on that. we got to make that happen eventually. I don't know if it's going to happen uh, while I'm still racing or after, but we have to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he had another question. What's your best race memory whilst being mechanic for Zach? Uh, Vegas <laughs> was probably the most epic race I've ever seen in my life. And I still watch it, and it still gives me chills every time I watch it. <laughs> Same. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've watched it probably nearing 200 times now front to back and it's still pretty pretty bizarre yeah yeah that was uh yeah that was by far the coolest thing i've ever been a part of yeah um what's the you know obviously that's the highest of highs winning a championship or we know winning like that what's the what's the worst part um i think when your rider gets hurt yeah no matter what but I was working with Casey Johnson in 99, and we basically had the championship going away. And he got hurt at the uh, fifth round. We had an 18-point lead. Yeah. Things were looking great, and he broke his arm, and we were done. Yeah, people, I feel like, often think of... Uh Injuries just as being hard on the riders or, or whatever. But oh, yeah. also, I mean, you guys put in probably, well, definitely more hours. Um, 
per se uh, than we do. So it's it's tough on you guys too when you you know when you work all season, all winter, and, yeah. and have something like that happen. Yeah, sucks. I mean everyone's whether you're a rider or a mechanic you're all aiming for the same goal right and you know it depends on whereabouts you are in the pecking order to what your goal is and whether you're working for to make it to fifth place or whether you're making it want to get to the podium or whether you want to win or whether you want to win a championship you know everybody has a goal and you know injury can derail that for sure skosh accessories for life listen guys their slogan sums it up they are accessories for your life i use the magic mount vent clip every day boom bottle all the time go bat when we're traveling whatever it may be the functionality and durability of these products is second to none that's why myself and rockstar and j husqvarna factory racing choose skosh accessories for life check them out at skosh s-c-o-s-c-h-e dot com do you prefer, um, say, a guy like me who's been racing for 20 years, or do you, would you rather have some development guys in your future, or there's a different time in your life where you preferred a guy who was younger and developing? Or um, When I was younger, I really liked working with a younger guy yeah. to help him out and be able to... Uh, put my spin on the whole deal yeah and it seemed like it worked out a little bit but uh now after working with you for a little while it's definitely suits my lifestyle yeah it's, it makes my life a little easier uh you know what you want and we just go with that yeah does that mean i'm not a lot of work you can be because scuba says that i'm a lot of work scuba probably deals with you way more than i do (laughs) oh man you guys are tough um let's see what else we got here steven thompson asks dave why isn't there a statue of you at the newcastle willie town airport william town airport he said willie town i don't know willie town okay (laughs) he must be uh he must be your local down there um i don't know uh I'd probably think that they'd put one of Chad Reed there before they would put one of me there. You guys are close Uh, Ah, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Basically, we both lived in suburbs of Newcastle. Okay. Chad, I'm hoping to get Chad on the next couple weeks. He's a little bit banged up right now, but, you know, I I love... That's what this podcast is all about, is for me anyways, from my perspective, is that the story you know i don't really care about race results or current events or whatever yeah. the person has going on but more just the story because i feel like my story is pretty unique but every story is pretty unique when you you know kind of take a step back and and talk about it it's just something that we don't we don't hear as much of um you know i think that a lot of it's so focused on the week to week to week you know grind it's, it's easy to get caught up in the week to week grind <laughs> it is it is for sure what um, what do you wish for for future mechanics? You know what what could make the job better or easier, or what would you like to see? Um, I I think things are going in a in a great direction right now. Uh, the schedule is definitely a lot more uh, 
a lot better as far as uh, a working mechanic goes. Uh, you're only on the road uh, three or four days a week, and so it makes burnout a lot less. Yeah. Uh, it seems like all the manufacturers are... Um, treating this more like a real job now instead of you know everybody's now becoming employees and stuff like that and uh, it's more of a, a nine to five sort of position but it's not right so, then then say 10 years ago where it was just no. all the time yeah everybody everybody was uh independent contractors you didn't know what you were doing from year to year uh it was a little a little tough yeah i understand i mean i think that that's one of the things that people don't quite understand is you know how many hours it really really truly is as a mechanic during just an average week you know a week where you don't have press day like we did today or where you don't have a mud race or you know oh, yeah. something bizarre like that yeah um you you just uh it constantly goes on like yeah when we uh when we go home from work you still have stuff that you got to take care of yeah like um you know you, you get home from a race and the first thing you do is you empty your bag, you got to do your laundry and get it going because in two days you're gone right, again. Going. So um, it's it's a constant thing that we do. And, you know, me, I lose track of the days. <laughs> I just end up, I know when it's race day and if I'm flying out somewhere. Yeah. Um, one more listener question from Matt Dolby. He said, what are some of your tricks for working on bikes that most regular guys don't know? Um, tricks. Well, you got to make sure everything's clean before you even start working on it because that's working on a dirty bike is terrible. That is. Uh, so... Um, that's a, that's a hard question. Like it just becomes uh, for us. It, it seems like uh, building a race bike is very repetitive uh, because you do the same thing each week because you don't want it to be any different. Right. The reliability is almost in the consistency in a yes. sense. Yes. Yeah. And you once you start on it, yeah. You build it the same way every single week. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I feel like people always underestimate is like tightening a bolt, like how important each torque spec is. Because yeah. like we're super picky about that stuff, you know, like even Newton meters here and there on the on the forks and shock and all that stuff like yeah. can be such a big difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. If uh if when you're uh when you're talking the chassis up, you got to make sure that the the rear end's compressed. Um, I use a tie down yeah. to to hold everything down uh, from the subframe to the rear wheel. And once it's compressed, then you then you talk everything from the the pivot bolt to the linkage bolts uh, to the engine mount bolts yeah. and the shock bolts 
just to just to make sure that everything is seated in the spot that it needs to be. Yeah, all that stuff makes such a big difference. I remember, I don't, I think it was in the beginning of eighteen. We we were using a new frame at the test track or something, and um, I want to say we loosened the four top triple clamps up five newton meters. That yeah. made a huge difference for yeah. me just yeah. to till I could get the frame broken in to be able to kind of tighten things back up and just all that little stuff like people don't realize how you know building a bike or putting something together is completely different than say actually building a race bike like what we ride on a Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, the torque specs that we use um, at, on our team. Are different from rider to rider, whether it's the triple clamps or you know the engine mounts or the linkage or anything like that. Um, you know, you and Jason, you wouldn't think that there would be two guys that would be quite as far apart as what you two are. Yeah, he likes everything to feel almost floppy. Yeah, and I'm 100% the opposite. I want everything to be like wedged tight. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but but it's hard to believe. Like most people would never think, oh, you know, torque specs are going to make a big difference in what they're trying to achieve here. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, what's your least favorite thing to prep? Like, obviously, each week you take the bike completely from what I ride on Saturday night or Saturday to zero and back to you know what I ride again on Saturday night. What's your least favorite thing? Putting graphics on. Graphics? Yeah, really? I hate it. Like more than bleeding brakes which is like the biggest pain on earth i would bleed everybody's brakes on the team if they would do my graphics dang that's a big (laughs) statement dave that's a big statement um what do you what's your favorite tool um torque wrench torque wrench probably my favorite tool is um my torque spoke wrench it's worked okay i mean you see people tightening spokes on their bike and they've just got the the old spoke wrench that comes with the bike and they're just cranking on it yeah and there's a talk for there's a talk for everything and you know i know it's a big outlay but you know 120 bucks or something like that can save you a lot of drums yeah i i mean i'm I'm a decent mechanic. I would say that I can, you know, be do whatever I need to do, build whatever I need to build, do some small restorations in my garage and whatnot. But even then, like having the proper tools and having exactly what you want when you want it when you need it is key to everything. Oh, for sure. Um, how different is your toolbox here, the race to your toolbox at the shop? Uh. They're exactly the same. Exactly the same. That's that's yeah. kind of what I figured, uh, yeah. but I wasn't wasn't totally sure. And that's just to like, I, I'm kind of the same in the fact that I want you know everything at the race to be the yeah. same as at home, whatever you know. Yeah, the one the one at the shop is actually a little bigger, but everything is pretty much in the same spot. Still the so same. Um, there's just a little bit of a difference just because of the size. Yeah. So and. Uh, Actually, at the race, you don't need as much stuff as you actually need in the shop. Yeah, because the race, I mean, 
technically speaking, it should be the same every weekend as long as there's no catastrophe or, catastrophe or whatever, you know? Yeah. So you, you kind of have that already planned out or drawn out. Yeah, yeah. I, I got enough tools in that thing to be able to tear the bike down and put it back together. Yeah, you know, so, but in my box at the shop, I've got stuff for fabricating things and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, I, I understand. That's that's awesome. Um, all right, Dave. Uh, we like to end every Shifting Gears podcast show with 10 questions. Okay. I'm going to give you the personality questions because I think you'll be good at them. And I think they'll be funny. Um there's another set of questions. You can do those, too, if you want. They're like this or that, like Chipotle or Qdoba, whatever, whatever. Okay. Um, all right. Most important object that you own that you purchased? Oh, my CR500. CR500. <laughs> <laughs> um, guilty pleasure food. This, is uh, more, this one was more geared towards riders, but... Uh, Coors Light. Coors Light, okay. Uh, morning person or night? Morning. Morning person. Uh, biggest pet peeve? Uh, not picking up after yourself. Ooh. Um, weirdest quirk? Mm. Yeah, not really sure on that one. Not sure. Um, any other job or talent that you could have or do, what would it be? Oh... Would have really liked to have been a professional motocross rider. <laughs> How good were you, like before you? Oh, I sucked. You, know, you sucked, <laughs> but you're pretty good now. Yeah, you couldn't have I been stopped. that bad if you're 57 and as good as you are. There's yeah. no way you were that bad when you were like 25. Yeah, I did okay, but I was never a professional. So, um, travel back in time to any event. Oh, I would really like to. Go to a GP at Namur. Namur? Yeah. I think that would be cool, too. Um, somebody asked yesterday on Twitter, uh, the 90s motocross guy, he asked if you could go back to any three motocross events before you were born, what would they be? I thought that was a, a super cool question, but yeah. I couldn't really think of any that I would want to go back to before I was born, yeah. other than like Anaheim 86. Yeah. But I was there, uh, you may have been there, too, 07 Orlando. With Ricky and Stu? No, I was not You weren't there? there? No. Where were you? Uh, I was in California. Okay. That was, the, like, one of the most epic battles oh, of yeah. all time. Like, yeah. people talk about Anaheim 86, but in yeah. my mind, Orlando 07 is, like, the best race ever. Oh, yeah. There's been a few good ones. Fly Racing USA. Dudes, I love a BOA system, okay? If it were up to me, everything would be BOA. No more shoelaces, no more snaps, just BOA. BOA everything. So when Fly told me they were putting the BOA system on some of their pants, totally stoked. I love everything I have from Fly. And one thing that people probably don't know is they make some pretty sick mountain bike stuff. So when I'm out on my Levo crushing it, I love to wear Fly. Check them out, flyracing.com. Let's see. Thing you're the best at other than being a mechanic. Not bad at barbecuing. But I was I was literally about to say, I know you're pretty good at pulled pork on the trigger, so yeah. don't pass that up. Uh, what's your favorite music? I know it's not what the boys listen to in the semi, so... Uh, I'm a country guy. Country guy? Yeah. Sometimes I'm over there and I'm like, Dave has to be hearing this music. Like, what are they doing right now? That's funny, because uh, when I was at PC, uh, 
we would build our race engines on Tuesdays, and there would be like death metal and all kinds of stuff playing. <laughs> and I think it was more to keep everybody awake than yeah. than, any, than anything, <laughs> anything else. else. Um, well, country plays well out of Scotch speakers, and every Shifting Gears podcast guest goes home with a sweet bag of Scotch stuff. Oh, um, sweet. So you'll get that today, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, there's one more question, but I forgot to ask you this earlier. You have a plethora of awesome one-liners for, like, the youngsters, like when we're at the test track and we have to dig whoops or something and they're complaining. Yeah. I've heard it a million times. Back when we started this thing and we were in this canyon and we were at Suzuki and they were blowing knobs off, like, give me, give me like, two good stories from, from your career. Uh, um, well, we're in Houston. So we've got a, I got a pretty decent Mitch Payton story. All right, let's hear it. So uh, we're down at practice and we're at the in the Astrodome. How long ago is this? This was probably ninety six or ninety seven, maybe. And I don't know whether you've been in the old Astrodome Stadium. No, but it was fairly steep coming out of the stadium, and so Mitch was down there and he's in his wheelchair and got down there okay because it's all downhill so the Yamaha guys had a golf cart at that that time so they're like hey Mitch we'll give you a, give you a ride and he goes yeah I'll just grab onto the back mm-hmm. so they start towing him up the towing him up the ramp well about a third of the way up there's uh, rain grates oh, for when that. it's raining because you know the rain's coming down the mm. thing well, just so happens that the front wheels of the wheelchair fit perfectly in the rain grates. Nightmare. And so Mitch just grabs onto the golf cart for dear life, gets dragged out of his wheelchair and dragged up the ramp. Uh-oh. Yeah. So Not gets- happy. I want to have Mitch on, on the podcast so bad because he, the guy has stories for days. Oh, yeah. Like, he's yeah. such a legend of the sport. So he's, uh, he's just getting dragged up the... Uh, dragged up the ramp and all the people are standing above the the ramp like all the fans and stuff and they're just you know and they're just amazed that this guy's getting dragged up the ramp and 90 percent of the people that are in the tunnel know mitch yeah and are all laughing <laughs> poor guy uh all right, what about a test track story? Uh, Dave's go-to when we're at the test track and the, the boys are there and, you know, we got some youngsters on the team. It's always like, back when I was young or oh, yeah. back in 99 when, when the test tracks only got prepped once a year, we used and to prep did. those things for with shovels the whole track. Oh, yeah. Get out. Most of the guys at the back in the day, uh, they would do their motos and then – when they were taking a break, they'd grab a pick and a shovel and get out there and start cleaning up whoops. And yeah, here we are whining about some whoops that were prepped three days ago. Yeah, or yesterday. <laughs> oh, yesterday. <laughs> oh man, so. awesome, Dave. It's been a pleasure working with you for the past five years. Um, hopefully, there's three or four more yet for us. Um, thank you for doing this podcast. I think people will enjoy it. Um, if they don't, they're silly. Um, 
Last question, quote to live by. Um, never say die. There you go. That's a good one. All right. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. Thank you.